This morning, we'd like to look into the Word and take your Bibles if you want to uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. I want to get the big picture here of what it is that is going on around us and has been going on long before we were on the scene. I like to say, you know, that God had one son and he made him a missionary (laughs) and he sent him from heaven to earth and here we are. The church exists for mission as fire exists for burning. The goal of missions is the church and the goal of the church is missions. It's that simple. They're mutually inclusive. It's God's declaration, for he so loved the the world. Don't forget that. Don't sell yourself short in your goals and objectives anything less than changing the world. That's what Christ commissioned us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And not only is he with us, he's in us by his Holy Spirit. We could do none of this. We would not be alive. We would not have eternal hope if it was not for the blessed Holy Spirit. John 20, 21, the Lord says, Even so, as the Father has sent the Son, so send I you. That is not just for Pastor Brandon Hopkins or Randy Brannon or Gil Harder. That is for each one of us to contemplate, consider, and ask God to make real in our life. There are no accidents in the kingdom of heaven. No accidents. Never is God saying, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. What are we gonna do now? No. No, there's just peace and purpose. There's lots of panic down in down in our neighborhood, (laughs) but not for those who are following and believing in him. In all honesty, this last year or two has been a very difficult year of ministry for us. When God gets the glory, Satan always makes someone pay. Whenever God gets the glory, Satan always makes someone pay. He made Jesus pay. He didn't make him pay. Jesus was willing to pay. Matter of fact, God the Father planned the whole thing. Jesus executed it, and the Holy Spirit confirmed it. But there's no accidents in God's kingdom And he desires us to be sent out just as he sent out his son. If his mission had failed, none of us would be here today. Right? So the faithfulness of God the Son and all who have followed 
is evidenced by the triumph of Christ and the faithful witness of missionaries of which Jesus was the first. So look at, look at our text. This, this text in Revelation is probably not one that you've read recently. It's probably not one that anyone could understand completely. But it was given to the Apostle John when he was in exile for the gospel. And he was on the island of Patmos in a little cave, probably. And every time I fly to Africa, 11 hours, Portland to Amsterdam, 10 hours south directly to Nairobi, we fly over Italy, fly over the Mediterranean, I can see the island. I can see Malta, Patmos, and I think of John in that cave. So wherever you are, you're never abandoned. He, God is with us. And God was speaking to John in that cave and he gave us chapter 12. If Steven Spielberg ever got a hold of this chapter and made a movie out of it, wow, then he would really be my hero. Chapter 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars, and she being with child cried out, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon the heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And the woman brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where there she had a place prepared for God, of God that she should feed there, feed her there a thousand and two hundred and three score days. Probably was Egypt. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. 
And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place which she is, where she would be nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What a story. What John saw in that cave was a vision from God of cosmic conflict. We would call it spiritual warfare taking place in heavens, in the heavens, and on earth. And while we may not be able to exegete just about everything that happened in this story, we can get glimpses. One third of the angels went with the devil and became demons and were cast out of heaven. They were swept out by the serpent's tail, it says by betrayal, by rebellion, and were cast to the earth to persecute the woman, to kill off the children of God. And so when Adam and Eve succumbed to that old serpent in the garden of Eden, Satan murdered the human race. For in Adam, we all die. The wages of sin is death. Some people would dispute that there's such a thing as sin in the world. <laughs> well, the obvious, the obvious answer is the wages of sin is death. Everybody dies. Why? Because of Adam. We're all in Adam. And Christ is even called the second Adam. The one who came to deliver us. Because there was poison put in the Garden of Eden in the blood. And so this cosmic warfare is going on. You can see glimpses of it, even Daniel, when he prayed. The angel Michael and heard his prayers. God heard his prayers and sent the angels to his aid, Daniel in the Old Testament prophet. And he says, sorry, Daniel, sorry I'm late, couple was delayed a couple weeks, uh, we ran into some ambushes. Spiritual warfare, and, and we fought, and we prevailed. But we were delayed, but now we have come to you. Wow, what was that all about? Cosmic conflict. Spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness, and that has been going on for centuries and centuries, even before we existed. 
For the angels, obviously, Lucifer himself, were free will agents. They had a choice to make as well in the rebellion. And now so do we. And so, I thought it would be appropriate this morning to zero in on one verse. Verse 11. Mark it in your Bibles and it'll mark you. How to overcome. What does it mean to be an overcomer? And what are we overcoming? That's the subject this morning. Verse 11, it says, and they, speaking of the seed of woman, which is all of us, right? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I say there's a formula there. In this vision, John is giving us a picture. How did they overcome? Who are they? Well, Joseph and Mary, Adam and Eve, the, the whole history of mankind. How did they overcome? By the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by their sacrifice. That's how they overcame. That's how we can overcome. Now, question as we get started. I want to ask you a question. Think about it. What is it that you would like to overcome in your life? I agree. What is it that you would like to overcome in your life? You got that picture? Now just turn to your neighbor and tell them. No, no, no don't, don't say anything. It's too personal, isn't it? Too big for you to overcome. But I'll tell you mine. It's me. The problem of, with the world is me. <laughs> my sin, my selfishness, my pride. Isn't that the case with you? If you could just get over you, no matter where you go, no matter what the psychologists say, well, we just got to find you a new situation. You got to move somewhere, move back east, move here, move there, go there, divorce, quit, quit the church, get a new job, get a new do, something. But you're still there. <laughs> you still got to deal with you. So how do we overcome three important truths this morning? First, it's the blood of the lamb. Why the blood of the lamb? Because the life is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life is in the blood, and when Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled against God, they lost their eternal life blood. And their blood was so poisoned that they only lived for 900 and some years. And then they died. And we've been going shorter and shorter and shorter. This whole issue of evolution should be called devolution. <laughs> now we only live to be, you know, 60, 70. That's what the Bible promises in Psalm 97, year, 70 years. And if you get 10 more, it's just trouble and sorrow and then we pass away. 
except for the lady who was over 100 in the picture here. She seemed to be doing quite well. The Lord was waiting for her to find Christ, absolutely. And so the poison of sin has contaminated our blood, causing both death spiritually and physically. And that's why we die. That's why we run to the doctor all the time. And all the medicines and all the things in the world, nothing works better than the blood of the lamb. Because he was God himself. Eternal life blood is what they had. They would have never died. But they did. And so God in his great mercy sent his only son to give us a life transfusion. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the only way to live forever. How many of you want to live forever? Actually, it doesn't matter if you want to or not. You're going to. Somewhere. You're either going to be up there or you're going to be down there. Because hell is real. And I don't know. I don't know the group here. We, you know, grace is growing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But if you're a boy or a girl, young man or woman, or an old senior like me, and you've never said yes to Jesus, I would strongly encourage you to do so today. Now is the day of salvation, Jesus said. There's no guarantees for tomorrow. How do we know the wages of sin is death? <laughs> Everybody dies. Every living thing dies at some point. Satan murdered the whole human race in the Garden of Eden and doomed our planet to destruction. Well, what is the solution? Hebrews 9.22 says the same thing. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Every time you get angry at what our president is doing or not doing, or your neighbor did or didn't do, or your kids, or something that is just corrupt and just not right, you are showing the character of God in your life. You are desiring that God would nuke them till they glow. <laughs> Maybe not that bad. Maybe worse. Right? And that's what the ancient prophets wanted. Oh, let justice roll down like a mighty river. Lord, bring an end to this disaster, this corruption that is everywhere. And that is God's desire, and that is God's plan. And there is a day already on his calendar when that is exactly what's going to take place. He's already set that day. And we yearn for it. And in the meantime, rather than praying for justice, cry out for mercy, you see. Because on the cross, when man sinned and Jesus took upon us the sins of the world, having never sinned himself, God's justice burned against man's sin. But God's mercy yearned for man's life. And what God's justice demanded, God's mercy provided on the cross. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. The salvation, the redemption of man. God's prized possession. Us in his image.
Hallelujah. The life is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Because everybody knows. When something goes south, somebody does some heinous thing, things go wrong, somebody's got to pay. We all have a great sense of justice. And that's part of God's character. But there's another part. It's called mercy. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I've already made the sacrifice. Praise God for his mercy. Pray for it for others. Everyone. Don't ever say, go to hell. You don't want to go there. God doesn't want you to go there. You don't want to go there. It's forever and it's terrible. And so, the first place to overcome, the first way to overcome, the first step in overcoming is the blood of the Lamb. A number of years ago, Randy and Randy Brandon and myself taught at one of our Africa Hope Bible Colleges in the Rift Valley on creation. <laughs> it was explosive. Genesis 1 through 12 we taught. We taught everything we could. Everything we knew, including ICR and the latest DNA and scientific evidence that we're all of one blood. We can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. All, all of peoples. And the pastors and the bishops, when they grasp the, the, the implications of this, some of them begin to cry. And they came and they said, oh my. We're the sons of Ham. In Africa, the slaves. You mean that we're all one blood? See, Jesus is the great equalizer. He destroys racism, tribalism, all of these other isms. He makes equality between men and women, rich and poor, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. How? By the blood. By the blood, he shed his blood, he gives us a transfusion. He can identify us, he seals us with his Holy Spirit. Whether you burn up or you corrupt in the ground your body, he can reconstruct it, he will, he knows every atom, every molecule. By him, all things consist. He's going to be able to identify you. Don't try to identify yourself. All of this baloney, this garbage of political identity, identity politics, who you are, who you were, who you ought to be, who was enslaved, who wasn't, who's owed, who's entitled. Oh my gosh. I'm a child of God. By his mercy and by his grace, all I did is say, yes, Jesus, I need help. I need you. If you've never said that, this would be the day. Cry out to God, say, oh God, I need a blood transfusion. I need, there's only one man. Only one man's blood will work. And that's the man Christ Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah for the blood. The life is in the blood. 
years ago, there was a book, maybe you remember, it was called I'm Okay, You're Okay. It was on the bestseller list for a year or two, I think. And one day I saw a kid wearing a t-shirt, a white t-shirt, had a cross, had Jesus on the cross, and he was all bloody. A thorn, a crown of thorns on his head. And the inscription on his t-shirt said this, if I'm okay and you're okay, why did this man have to die? Never forgotten that. Why did this man have to die? Hey, your religion is okay for you. You've got your truth, I've got mine. No, no, no. There's only one way, one truth, one life, one way to glory, one way to heaven. The man Christ Jesus. Acts 4.12, there's no other name on, on heaven, in heaven or in earth, by which a man may be saved. Except Christ Jesus. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the door, he's the life. He's on what's on the other side of that door. And that leads to the second way to overcome, the testimony. All through David's psalms and Moses' psalms, we have his testimonies. He says, I will cling to his testimonies. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Testimony. He's given us a testimony. Who is this testimony? It's Jesus He's my testimony. He's my everything. He's your everything. If you know Christ, whatever you need, he says, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take care of you. And it's for good. He's a good heavenly father. We say, as I said earlier, Yes, God is good. All the time, God is good. It is his nature. It's who he is. It's his character. How could he be anything else but good? Look what he did. He died for us while we were still sinners. How much more is he going to love us now that we've come into his kingdom? And not only that, but he raised us from the dead. And he never leaves us, never forsakes us. His spirit dwells within us, seals us by his Holy Spirit. What is the significance of the cross? <laughs> Everything. Make a beeline to the cross. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He came to die. He wasn't murdered. He willingly gave up his life. Even as Revelation 12 talks about the flood. The flood, who sent the flood? Well, Satan must have been involved in that. But Satan's just on a short leash. Because the earth opened up and swallowed the flood. Hmm, Saved eight people. Satan would have liked everybody to have been wiped out. Oh, wasn't that God's flood? Wasn't that Noah's flood? Oh, God got it done. Who crucified Jesus? Wicked, ignorant men. Men that Jesus prayed for on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, God uses the wrath of men to praise him. The rebellion of Satan to declare his glory. The accuser of the brethren comes before the throne, accuses us day and night before God in glory. And if you're in Christ, 
Jesus stands up at the bar of justice and says, this is one of mine, in whom there's no condemnation. (laughs) Wow. Hallelujah. Freedom. What the flesh, what religion could never do, Christ did by the power of his Holy Spirit. He accomplished it, and he's still doing it today. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only man who ever walked the earth who completely was filled and walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. My, he's not an armchair quarterback. He's the real deal. And he's available to us who are available to him. The life is in the blood. The testimonies are his testimony. So if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, come to Christ and live. Just cry out to him. He said, whosoever will may come. And anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. We have the best example, the thief on the cross. One of them mocked him. One of them said, remember me. And Jesus said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. That's mercy. That's grace. That's, that's Jesus. Come to Christ and live. One of the other important aspects of the blood, without the blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness is the key to everything. It really is. It's why he came to erase the penalty of sin completely, past, present, and future. God isn't mad anymore because of his son who satisfied and took care of our sin. Forgiveness is really the key to everything. It opens every door. When Jesus ascended back up to heaven, he left the door ajar. He opened up the way to heaven. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He said it's, in John 6, 40, it's my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And when all the religious leaders came to Jesus and said, what works must we do in order to find eternal life? He said, believe. That's the work. That's it. But you can't believe unless the Holy Spirit draws you. Cry out to God for his mercy. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe him in your heart, you will be saved. Praise God. If that's not love, what is? If that's not mercy, if that's not grace, then what is? Like Shakespeare said, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. I don't think it's possible for us to forgive. I really don't. Unless we remember that we're forgiven. Only God can forgive. 
We can extend forgiveness in the image of God, but normally it's beyond us. But it's okay to just pray and say, God, I can't do this, because you know what his response is. I can do all things. Let me forgive through you. I'm not willing. Lord, make me willing. Have you ever prayed that prayer? It's a good one. Lord, I'm not even willing. I don't even like this person. I can't forgive them for what they have done or what has happened. But would you? Would you? I'll be the vessel. You do the forgiving. That's what he does. Instead of thinking that this is a tussle between Jesus and us, imagine Jesus with his arm around you looking across the river at that great big abyss, that great challenge, that great canyon, that thing you can't overcome, and has his arm around you say, how are we going to do this? See, I can walk on water. I can raise the dead. My speciality is bringing life out of death. That's what I do best. So there's not a problem in here today that anyone faces that a miracle couldn't solve. Is that right? Well, our God just happens to be a miracle-working God. Heaven hasn't run out of healing, hasn't run out of help, hasn't run out of miracles. Just call upon the name of the Lord. And he will do it. Just say, remember me, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Oh, he loves to hear that prayer. Is that all there is to it? Oh, no. When Jesus died on the cross... He said, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. (laughs) He's just getting started. He has work to do. It's called sanctification. He loves us just the way we are, but he's not going to leave us there. He's going to conform us into his image, moment by moment by moment. As we obey him, just obey him. Just follow him. Moment by moment by moment, we're transformed into his image in everlasting small increments of glory. Hallelujah. And when we see him, we're going to be like him. Just like him. We're going to be married. We're the bride, remember? That's intimate. Jesus didn't die for the angels. This is an intimate relationship. Wow. Jesus in us, we in him. God the Father in him. John 17, his prayer. That wasn't original with the Beatles. I and you and you and me and we're all together. Now, now that was Jesus' prayer. Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, be sure to tell somebody. God never called anybody to himself that he did not call publicly to confess. You confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Be bold, be real, be real, be, be honest to God. This week, we've been staying at Randy and Sarah Brandon's place, and uh, 
They got so tired of us, they went to Pismo. <laughs> they left their own house. But we've been partying every night since then, so come on over. Now, we were watching uh, this uh, television show called Yellowstone Park. Not, not, the, not the Yellowstone soap opera, opera that's, that's, that's carnal and wicked in debauchery, but both are made by Kevin Costner. This one is about Yellowstone Park. I don't know if you've seen it. The development and the, uh, the creation of the first ever national park in the history of the world, Yellowstone Park. Well, we were just there. On our little road trip, we had never been there. Wow, it was beautiful. And this is like a four-part thing that he narrates, and it's really awesome. It, it was very wonderful, better than the television program for sure. And in this show, with all this amazing photography of the buffalo and the elk that we saw, they were actually in our camp as we were camping, after the heavy snows of winter, he was, Kevin Costner was talking about the revival. You know, the rebirth. Yellowstone is rebirthed after the heavy snows and everything springs forth. And, you know, Mother Nature do, does all this magic. And he kept saying, you know, the rebirth. And as Carol and I were watching that, we were thinking, oh, Kevin, if you could just... Just get it right. Maybe we'll send him a letter. It's not, it's not Mother Nature, it's Father God. You know? And, it, and, and, and you must be born again. <laughs> Everybody must be born again. That rebirth is available. Even the religious leader Nicodemus didn't get it. Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not just nature. It's a picture of God's mercy and God's grace. Maybe we'll write him a letter. Give them a word of testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome by the word of our testimonies, and our testimonies are like our thumbprints. There's not another one like yours. It's unique. God has given you your unique testimony. No one has your testimony. And no one has your place in life. As you dance across this little stage that we call life, God is designed because there's no accidents in his kingdom that everybody you come in contact needs to hear your story. Tell it. The world out there is more willing to hear the gospel than most Christians are to share it. And yet that's our very purpose. And you can't get higher. You can't get more intoxicated than being used by God. That's the greatest lie. It's like, oh my so tell your story. Tell his story. Because your story is his story. If you're in Christ, you've got a story to tell. It's not about you. Oh, you're in the story as one of the characters, but he's the main character. He's the star of Bethlehem. He's the, he's the great, mighty I am. He's the one that you're in love with, that you're, you're married to. He's the one that's building your mansion right now. He's so great and so awesome. Tell everybody that you know. When you leave today, make sure everybody that you come in contact knows your king, your savior, your brother, your lover, the lover of your soul.
Don't be afraid to tell them. See what happens. Oh, first there'll be rejection. We don't like that. Then there'll be acceptance. But it makes an eternal difference. As the master is, so shall the servant be. Overcome by the word of the testimony. My life verses, 2 Timothy, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Praise be to God who always leads in triumph. Not that I'm always following, (laughs) but he's always leading in triumph. And spreading wherever we go the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Christ in every place. And to some, we are the smell of life unto life, the fragrance of life. To others, we smell like death. And who's sufficient for these things? Not us. But he is. But I'm willing to testify to the one who calls me his son and who has called me into his kingdom and you as well. He's forgiven me. He's cleansed me. He's washed me. He's strengthened me. He's put me in the family of God. Hallelujah. Baruch Hashem Yahweh Adonai Elohim. Praise be to the God of all creation, the Lord God Almighty. He is so great. The word of the testimony and the final thing is simply sacrifice. That's how they overcame. The blood of the lamb, word of testimony, and the sacrifice. Your sacrifice. Carol's life verse is Galatians 2.20. For I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. They loved not their life unto death. In other words, they weren't looking for the comfort zone. They were looking for the end zone. (laughs) And the end zone wasn't retirement. It's glory. What a glorious day that will be. A second after my eyes close in death and your eyes close in death, all that God has planned for you will suddenly be clear and yours forever. This is the only life we have to live, to serve him freely and to be rewarded for it eternally. Do it. Just follow him. Believe him. Make the sacrifice. Romans 12, you know it. One and two. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. Which is your worship. It's your service. And be renewed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through the word of God. These great and precious promises. As 2 Peter chapter 3, chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says. You have everything you need for life and godliness according to his great and precious promises. And by these, we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. What's the first corruption we escape? Death itself. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're signed, sealed, and delivered to glory by the sealing, indwelling Holy Spirit. We've escaped all these corruptions. The prison door is open. Don't go back there. Don't stay in there. Live it up. In Jesus' name.
Absolute surrender is required. Absolute surrender. If you've never read any Andrew Murray, read his book, Absolute Surrender. Wow, it's a good one. Read (laughs) Abiding, Abiding in Him. John 15. You abide in him, his word abides in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be given. Stop worrying about what you're going to die of. Start thinking about what you're going to live for. Everybody's got to die. Live before you die. Live for him, the one who died for you. That's, That's my encouragement. Be an overcomer. You already are. You may just not know it. Stop looking for entitlement and for handouts and for welfare and understand you have everything you need for life and godliness in Christ and you have his presence in you. Hallelujah. The living sacrifice. God's speciality bringing life out of death. Absolute surrender. Sweet victory. The fragrance of life. I wish... I could share a little more, but I think we're out of time. And uh, let me just say that I almost destroyed my marriage and family not knowing how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's 12 principles that I learned of overcoming about strength, victory, hope, healing, forgiveness, love, growth, fulfillment, security. Here's 12 of them and then we're done. Powerlessness will result in strength. In your weakness, he is strong. Surrender will result in victory because only Christ leads in victory, not you. You just follow in his train. Surrender to the king. Faith will result in hope. Confession will result in healing. Willingness will result in growth. Connection will result in love. Sacrifice will result in fulfillment. Responsibility will produce security. Restitution will bring closure. Humility will result in honor. Forgiveness always leads to freedom. You're always the slave of those you will not forgive. And service will result in reward, eternal reward. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you're still reforming, transforming, restoring our souls. Lord, we're thankful that you heal and help broken people because that's all you really ever had to work with. And we thank you, Lord, for this fellowship we've had this morning, for your word. Holy Spirit, you're saying something unique and personal to every person 
about that which they desire to overcome. We thank you, Lord, for the blood. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony we have in your son, Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord, that you sacrificed for us and we pledge ourselves that we will be a living sacrifice for you. That we will not stay in our comfort zone, but we will reach out of our comfort zone into that area of ministry that you have for each and every one of us. Very specifically, you are the good shepherd. You lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and you prepare for us a place. You anoint our heads with oil. You make a wonderful dinner, a wonderful place to eat and to rest. And Father, help us to remember that the best is always, always, always still ahead for every child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.